Amen. Well, I just love that song. It's a great start to what we're going to be diving in as we continue our series on the call. Thanks, Denise. Um, on the call and talking about this life of discipleship and knowing that it's Jesus is worthy of us figuring this out, discovering this, living this life of discipleship. He is worthy of it all. That's why we lean into that. And so I'm excited to continue this series this morning of learning this lifelong journey with Christ, living in this discipleship relationship and leaning into that call. If you don't know who I am, I'm Shelly Zulsdorf, and I'm the associate pastor of student ministries. So I get to hang out with our students who were all in first service. I don't see, there might be a few out there. Oh, Isaiah, let's go. So I get to hang out with them, and it's a joy. And as I was thinking of this lifelong discipleship, being all in, surrendering, fully following uh, Jesus, I was thinking about diehard sports followers. Do I have anybody that's like ready for football season? Who out there? Yes, we have a few, way more than last service. Ready for football season. And you're either, if you're all in on a team, you're like either really excited coming into this season and you're like, yep, my team is going to crush. Or you're like my cousin who's a Miami Dolphins fan and man, he is hanging on for like 40 years or something, since the 70s, um, for that Super Bowl win. And, but here's what I find interesting, is when you are all in on a sports team, you stick with your team in every season. Like my cousin with the Miami Dolphins, he has not given up hope. In every season, he is sticking in with his team, he's cheering them on, he's showing up at games, he is all in. And I, well, I love football. I decided this year that I was going to be a hockey fan. Like, I, I'm at the point now where I'm like, gosh, I want my kids to play hockey. I know we live in California, but wouldn't that be so cool? I'll drive them to Oakland or East Bay or wherever I need to go to get them to, to a hockey team. I decided I'm going to go all in. And the reason I decided to go all in is because the Colorado Avalanche was in the Stanley Cup. And this is like their championship game. And I, oh, I was so excited. I really, I just bandwagoned the whole thing because there's the, the abs fans, they've been waiting like 20 years or something for this moment. And I just jumped in and said, let's do this. And I was like, I'm going to go all in. So I bought a t-shirt. I uh, recorded all the games. I watched the games. I even told people, don't tell me the score. Don't tell me anything. Like texted people, did all the things I was supposed to do. I uh, hired Blake, who was drumming here, uh, to teach me all the things about hockey. Teach me the players. Teach me what's happening. I want to go all in. And it was the best. Like it was so fun. It was such a great thrill, a great ride. They won the Stanley Cup. And I was like, this is the greatest moment of my life. I am going to be a hockey fan. And I was like, that's it. I'm sold. I'm sold on this moment. I'm sold on hockey. And so fast forward two months, we went on vacation to Arnold, and I, like, brought out my Avs t-shirt gear, and I was like, I hope someone asked me, like, because I'm a fan now, and I go, I go into um, this, this place, and the waiter was like, oh my gosh, I'm so stoked for you all, congrats on the win, and I was like, yep, earned it, we did it, like, I was so proud of myself, and so I started spitting off all the things that Blake told me, like, all the players that I knew, like, all the, the cool moments and the games, like, I was so proud of myself, and he goes, oh man, but how are you feeling about all the... And then he starts going deep. And he starts talking about all the like drafts and trades and contracts that are changing and all this that I realize, oh, there's more that happens than just the Stanley Cup. Like there's more in this. Like this guy that I was talking to, he was a hockey 
fan. Like he was not an as fan, he was a hockey fan. And so he was keeping up every single day with all the things that, all the drama, I just want to call it drama, all the drama of all the switching of players and all this. He starts naming players. And Benzie, uh, my husband was just sitting there watching me like, what do you think about that, Shelly? And I was like, <laughs> and I was sitting there going, hey, yeah, trying to like pretend, like trying my best. I had to eventually like concede to like, I have no idea what I'm talking about. And I, in that moment, I realized, gosh, you know what? I realized two things. I am not a hockey fan. I am not a hockey fan, and to be all in, I have to be committed to more than just the Stanley Cup, and more than just even the season games. Like you, if you're all in on a sports team, you're all in on the preseason, the postseason, everything that happens on and off the field, like that's where you are all in. And I realized if I wanted to be a diehard hockey fan, I'd have to have a huge shift in my life, and I'd have to be changing a lot, and it would be a huge disruption. And I was like, you know what, I, I think I'm just gonna watch the Stanley Cup and wear my abs shirt, and I'll just watch a few games. I'm not, I, I don't think I'm ready to be all in. And this, as we're talking about this lifelong journey to discipleship, it's this understanding that, gosh, following Jesus is a disruption in our life. Following Jesus is not just the one moment at camp that you might have had, or it's not that one incredible worship moment that you had, but it's living life with Jesus day in, day out, in every season in the incredible moments, and then the seasons that just feel like dry or not as exciting. And so it's important for us to know, gosh, when we're entering this the discipleship, this call to live in discipleship with Jesus, that it's an everyday thing. And so I want us to realize this morning, we're going to dive into the initial call that Jesus gives his disciples. And I love that we've been talking about proximity, and we've been talking about what is a disciple, but I want us now to sit in, what is Jesus asking of us? What is Jesus asking us um, to do when we enter into this relationship? So this morning, if you have a Bible, you can turn it to Matthew 4. We're going to look at verses 18 through 20. And this is where Jesus comes out of the wilderness. Jesus comes and he gathers his first disciples. He gathers his first disciples. This is like the first, like, bringing people together on this call for discipleship. So Matthew 4, verses 18 through 20. And here's what it says. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, Follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Now, for those of you that have been in the church for a while or grown up in the church, there is uh, this familiar phrase that we hear where Jesus says, follow me. And even as Christians, uh, you might have heard like uh, synonym to that as we call ourselves followers of Christ. And so I think it's really important for us to go, what is Jesus asking? Because sometimes follow me can just feel a little bit passive. It can be a little bit passive to go, gosh, Jesus, I'm just going to um, follow you and learn from you and see what you do. I'm going to follow you in that way, walk along beside you, but um, I don't know if I'm actually going to do much outside of that. So I think it's important for us to dive just a little bit deeper of what Jesus is actually saying when he says, follow me. And the first thing that I see is Jesus' call to come and follow me is filled with relationship and interruption. And this is, is so key to even just starting in this whole 
understanding of being in this life of discipleship is there's a relationship and there's an interruption. And I want you, if you have your Bible style, to look at this story, okay? Because Peter and Andrew are in the middle of their workday. They're fishermen. They're in the middle of the workday. It literally says that they just, they were casting a net into the lake. They were not cleaning up at the end of their day, finishing fishing, putting things away when Jesus said, come and follow me. No, they were literally in the middle of their work, in the middle of their job, and they were casting this net out. And Jesus says, in the middle of casting out, come and follow me. Come and follow me. And this, I look right away, I'm like, gosh, that is a huge interruption. They're in the middle of their workday, and here Jesus is asking them to come and follow me. Now, when I read that, it makes me a little uncomfortable. It makes me a little uncomfortable because I really don't like interruptions. Like, I am the person where I can get so focused on my tasks that that's all I want to do, that I can just try to ignore everybody else, everything else, and I just focus on my tasks. And any interruption, like, sort of, like, irritates me a lot. I'm like, oh, gosh. But what's crazy is I work with a staff team that's very relational, right? They're, they're super relational, so they're always, Danny, I love her, she's always coming and going, Shelly, how are you doing? How can I pray for you? And I am like, I am in the middle of something. And I try to put my face on, and I try to smile like, I love you. Uh, but I struggle with interruption, and so a lot of times I'll like hide in my office or sneak in my office. One time I went so far, like, and I wish I could put a do not disturb sign on whenever I don't want people to bother me, which would probably be the whole time I'm in the office. Um, but I wish I could do that. But one time I went as far as um, not wanting people to interrupt me that I snuck in my office because I have a side uh, door. I snuck in my office and I didn't turn my lights on. And I just hid <laughs> because I was like, I really got to focus. That's how much I struggle with interruptions. And, but I don't think I'm the only one. Maybe you don't go to the extremes that sometimes I tend to go to, but I don't feel like I'm the only one, but I think it's pretty common for us to not like interruptions. When we're focused on something in the middle of our tasks, we tend to not want to be interrupted because when it happens, what we have to do is we have to stop and we have to adjust what we're doing. We literally have to pivot and we have to be flexible to do whatever is coming and interrupting us. And it's not easy. I think it's a muscle that some people have really naturally. And then there's others of us that are like, gosh, that is not easy. And so I want to put into context that when Jesus says, come and follow me, this is a big interruption that's coming in the disciples' lives. They are fishermen in the middle of their job. And Jesus is saying, no, stop what you're doing. Come and follow me. Be with me. But we have to look, this interruption, it's not just an interruption just to like throw them off. Jesus is inviting them into a relationship, a relationship with Jesus where instead of just focusing on their tasks and their work, they're now shifting to focusing on Jesus, spending time with him in relationship, learning from Jesus, studying how Jesus relates and acts in this world. And so when Jesus calls us to follow him, when he calls us to be in a relationship with him, it's an interruption, interruption in our life. It is. It really is because everything changes for us. When we say yes to Jesus, everything changes. Our life is interrupted. The way that we used to worship or the way that we used to live or the way that we used to interact with people or how we um, shaped our time is totally changed now. Because instead of focusing on our path and what we're doing, we are now shifting to looking at Jesus and what he's saying and what, how he wants to guide us. 
It's a game changer. And we go from living a life with how we thought we should live and surrendering to Jesus saying, I want to follow you and trust you. That's a big interruption. When you say that, that's a total shift in our lives. The trajectory of our lives completely change. And it's, so, and it's for the good because we learn so many incredible things from Jesus on how to see people, on how to love people, on how Jesus wants us to worship. When I look at my life, and I was a 17-year-old, when I said yes to Jesus, and my whole life changed. I will never forget that week going into school, and all of a sudden, I looked at people at my school completely differently. I, didn't, I looked at them in a way to go, man, they are a child of God, and I know that now. So I'm not going to treat them the way that I did before. I'm not going to ignore them the way that I did before. But instead, my life was totally changed because I was looking at Jesus and the way that he was saying to relate and see people and to bring good news just dramatically changed everything for me. It interrupted how I was living my life and what I wanted to do. And not just to be a pastor. Like, I could have done everything. I didn't know that till much later in my life. This moment for me was simply just a, gosh, I want to interact and be with people in a way where Jesus would do that. It was total game changer. And so whenever we say yes to following Jesus, it's an interruption in our life because we are now interrupted instead of living for ourselves or living for the ways that we want, we are connected to Jesus and we are in relationship with him. And that's an interruption because it shifts everything for us. It changes everything for us. And so the disciples, this follow me, this interruption, they said, yep, we'll stop what we're doing and we're going to follow you, Jesus. I want to learn from you. You're inviting us into relationship. First of all, Rabbis that in this time, they didn't invite people to come and be with them. You had to seek out a rabbi. So the fact that Jesus was saying, come and follow me, is pretty powerful. That he wants to be in relationship with us. He wants to teach us. He wants to be on this discipleship journey with us. But what we see when we uh, read this passage, that this follow me means that wherever Jesus goes, the disciples go. And quickly we learn that, the, that Jesus goes to people. It is not soon after he calls his gatherers, and next thing you know, they're going to people right away. And we see that Jesus says that you would fish for people. You would fish for people, meaning that uh, you would be all out on sharing and, and being a living example of the good news of Jesus. And I think the disciples, they did not entirely know what this meant. They didn't know because we read it and we have hindsight, like 2020, we can see all the things that are happening. We can look at their lives and go, gosh, it was Jesus. But they didn't fully know what that meant. And so I love when reading the stories of the disciples is they kind of went into all this blind. They went into it blind each day, unplanned, not entirely sure where they were going, who they were going to see, who they would interact with next. There were people like us where they had questions, they had doubts. They weren't professionals at this. They were fishermen learning this new path with Jesus. But they decided when they said yes to following Jesus that they would trust him, that he would lead them to something they had never experienced before. And right away, Jesus makes it clear, my ministry will be about people. It will be about people experiencing, tasting, seeing the good news. Tasting and seeing that I as the Messiah, Jesus saying, I am the Messiah and I'm here. And I want to restore and redeem all things to new. And so they get to witness that. And whenever like, you, you skim through the Gospels and you can look at the headers and you can see, gosh, from here on out, it is Jesus interacting with people, interacting with people, interacting with people. 
Jesus is all in on showing his disciples his heart. And the disciples saw Jesus heal people, saw uh, Jesus teach crowds, saw teach Jesus te- or hanging out with lots of different people, probably people they would never hang out with, and eating with people that people were like, why are you eating with them? So they saw Jesus' ministry was all about people. But when I, I read scripture, I always want to read with so much curiosity. I want to read with more of go, okay, so he's teaching them to uh, be, okay, his ministry is all about people. It's all about sharing this good news with others. But I think there's more that Jesus shows even with that idea. And I think it's that Jesus is showing that he's all about people, but he's, will, he's willing to be interrupted by people for them to experience his love his good news. And so and when you read the gospel, Jesus is constantly being interrupted, like constantly being interrupted, people coming up and wanting to get to talk to him or be healed or to know more, or get close to him. And he embraces it. He fully embraces it. So I want to give this example. Um, if you want to turn to Mark 5, Mark 5 uh, verses 21 to 43. I'm not going to read the story, but I want the story in front of you so you can sort of see where I'm recapping. So Mark 5, Verses 21 to 43. And this, I think, is just a perfect example of Jesus embracing the interruptions for the love of people and for people to experience his good news. So here's where, what the disciples write down. Here's what they witness. Jesus goes on the boat. He's going across the Sea of Galilee. He gets out of the boat, and interruption number one happens. There's a large crowd waiting there for Jesus, wanting to interact and talk with Jesus. I got, and like I said, I'm not good with interruptions. So I would have been like, Jesus probably got somewhere to go, huh? Where do we want to go? What's the plan? But Jesus embraces this interruption, comes across. They maybe didn't know that they were there. And in, while he's with this large crowd, interruption number two happens as you keep going along the story where there's a synagogue leader named Jairus who asked Jesus to heal his daughter. And so here Jesus is among this crowd, could have just stayed in this crowd, but said, all right, I'm coming, and, would walk, and walked away. Interruption number two, walked away to go to Jairus' house to then heal his daughter. And in this, the whole crowd is following. See how it's like this interruption didn't stop the whole crowd from still experiencing Jesus, right? So Jesus is going along. The crowd is following. They're going to Jairus' house, and interruption number three happens. This, to me, is the most powerful one out of all of I, They're all really powerful, but this one is so significant to me because there's a woman who is bleeding for 12 years. Bleeding for 12 years. She sees this crowd around Jesus, and she thinks to herself, if I could just touch his cloak, I don't want to bother him. I don't want to interrupt him. I just want to touch his cloak. If I could, maybe I would be healed. And so she reaches out in this crowd, crowd, she grabs the cloak, and Jesus that moment knows that someone, that power came out from him, that someone was healed. And instead of just letting it go and being like, they got what they needed, great, he stopped. He stopped and said, who touched me? Who touched me? And the disciples are like, "Mm, there's a lot of people, Jesus. Like, a lot of interruptions happening since the moment we got off the the boat. But he stops and says, who touched me? Because in that moment, it was worth it to Jesus to stop and acknowledge the woman who needed him. It was worth it to Jesus to stop and to see the woman, to find her, to let her know not only is she physically healed, but she can be spiritually, emotionally, fully healed. And so he stopped in that moment, interruption number three. He was interrupted by this woman. And even though I find it so interesting that she's like, I don't want to bother you, Jesus. And Jesus like, 
you don't get it, you're never bothering me. Like we, that, that's something we should pause with. We are never inconveniencing Jesus with our needs. He likes to be interrupted by us. That's that relational peace that he has. And so Jesus is, he stops and he speaks words over her, words of freedom, of love, of grace and truth, th- things that truly set her free in that moment. And so then in this moment, he's speaking to her and he speaks this over her and interruption number four happens. Interruption number four. And people from Jairus' house come to Jesus and say, it's too late. She died. Jairus' daughter died. And it could have been easy to be like, Jesus, if you wouldn't have taken those interruptions, she would have been healed. But interruptions don't stop God from the plan that he has. And he already knew what he was going to do, and he was okay with all the interruptions that come because he eventually he went back to the house and he brought her back to life. And so for Jesus, interruptions are not a problem. Interruptions are not an issue, and he wanted his disciples to see that. That interruptions are important because interruptions are about seeing others, showing them that they are worth it, showing them that the kingdom of God can also transform their lives, that Jesus wants to enter into their lives as well. And so Jesus' ministry is all about people. It's all about people. He wants people to be healed and redeemed and forgiven. He wants them to taste and see that God's goodness. And he's not afraid to be interrupted by that. And he wanted the disciples to see, gosh, My mission is to bring mercy, compassion, forgiveness, redemption into this world. But it only happens when we allow ourselves to be interrupted by the people in our world. When we allow ourselves to see those around us. When we allow ourselves to stop and pause. And this is what I I just, I I love this. That Jesus didn't just say, follow me. We're going to be fishers of people. No, he said, I will send you out. I will send you out to be fishers of people, meaning he is asking us to be in relationship with him, to be connected to Jesus. And through that connection, then we will know that we are participating and and participants in his mission. He wants us to be a part of what he's doing. He's showing us all of these things, not so that we can just be connected to him and we have that to ourselves, but that then we can go out and go, okay, I get to now see people around me in new ways because of what you're teaching me, Jesus. And so when I look at this, he's he's saying, I will send you out to be fisher people. I'll send you out to be this good news through your words and actions to others so that they can experience me. And so following Jesus teaches us to be kingdom workers, kingdom workers. And I love this phrase. And it's a phrase um, that our students got really familiar with this past summer when they went to our denominational meeting Uh, or conference for high schoolers called Unite. You can see this picture of them. They went to this conference, and the last night, they let them know that each and every one of them, when they say yes to following Jesus, they get to participate in the mission of God with Jesus. They get to participate in bringing the good news to this world. And And they called it a kingdom worker, meaning as a kingdom worker, you are aware that God is entering into this world. You are aware that God is alive and active, is redeeming, forgiving, healing, bringing good news that is setting people free. That is the kingdom that's at work in our world. And as a kingdom worker, we're saying, Jesus, I'm aware of that, and I want to participate with you, Jesus. I want to participate with what you're doing. And what's cool with our students is they gave them these kingdom worker cards, and they gave them, they were sealed up, and they said, 
If you want to participate with Jesus, then when you're ready, open this card and it'll give you a simple thing, a simple way to participate with Jesus. And they're really simple tasks of like once a week writing an encouraging card to a teacher, to maybe once a month sleeping on the floor and praying for those that are sleeping on the streets every day. Or maybe it was um, interacting, having a conversation with someone about what God's doing in your life and sharing that. Like really simple ways. But here's what I love about those cards is those cards showed our students that you don't have to give up being a student. You don't have to give up all these things in your life to be a kingdom worker. Being a kingdom worker is allowing God to interrupt your life, interrupt your schedule, interrupt your, your plans, and, and seeing others around you and sharing the good news around you. Because when, when I read this passage and I see that the disciples follow, come, follow me, and I will send you fit out to be fisher, fisher for people, and then they said, great. And they dropped their nets and they're like, we're all in. And when I look around the room, not all of us have that freedom, right? So it feels a little unrealistic when we are talking about being a disciple of Jesus. And our examples are people that just dropped everything and didn't really have to work anymore. Like many of us in this room, when I read this, I'm like, okay, Jesus, let's dial this back. Like we have jobs we have families. Because when they dropped their nets, they gave up their jobs. They gave up their livelihoods. They, they walked away from families to serve Jesus. And I want us, when we think of that drop your nets, I actually want us to have a little bit broader view. Because I don't think Jesus is calling everyone to just give up their jobs and serve the Lord. What he's asking us instead is for us to be open, to posture ourselves, to be interrupted by God. Whatever we're doing, wherever we're at, to be available for God to interrupt us and to show us, to use our tasks, to shift our perspective from just doing our tasks to going, okay, I'm here doing my tasks and God may bring someone in front of me that I may need to sit with to share the good news or to walk alongside in their story. That's what I think more for us when we're, some of you may be called to do like give it up, be missionaries, be pastors, all that, but most of us are working and I wanna be realistic. Your jobs are just as important because it's where God has placed you. It's where God has placed you and in your places that he has brought you, he is wanting you to be aware of what he is doing around you. And that is what being a kingdom worker is. And I love um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He's a 20th century pastor, theologian um, during World War II time. Um, he describes, I think, the heart of the kingdom worker. And here's what it says. We must be ready to allow ourselves to be interrupted by God. God will be constantly crossing our paths and canceling our plans by sending us people with claims and petitions. We may pass them by preoccupied with our more important tasks. It is a strange fact that Christians and even ministers frequently consider their work so important and urgent that they will allow nothing to disturb them. They think they are doing God a service in this, but actually they are disdaining God's crooked yet straight path. Gosh, I, when I read this, I was like, Yes, Jesus, like we all, I struggle with that. I love how they don't just say Christians. They also put ministers in there too, to say that we are all in this place where it's really easy for us to get distracted and to get narrowly focused on our tasks instead of looking up and being aware. And even I want to say preoccupied with God is alive and active and he is moving. And he may bring someone into my life that I can stop and pause my task for a moment to interact with. 
Jesus modeled it for us. He wants us to follow him, be in relationship with him, and being in relationship with him means that we are connected to the work that he is doing in this world. We are aware of that. And then being connected to him means we get to live like him. And Jesus allowed people to interrupt him with whatever he was doing. And so it's taking this kingdom worker idea is going, okay, it may feel crooked or disruptive, but it's shifting our perspective to go, I'm hearing tasks, but God may surprise me with someone today that I may need to sit with, that I may need to be with, hear their story, be that light in their lives that draws them closer, that moves them towards Christ. And I want us to think of that in that way of like, we may not be dropping our nets completely, but we may be having our nets, but we can still be interrupted by God in the middle of our workday. We can still be interrupted by God with who he puts in our lives. And so as we enter into worship this morning, I really want us to sit with this question. As we're thinking of what it means to live a life of discipleship, be in relationship with Jesus, is do I allow Jesus to interrupt me? Do I allow Jesus to interrupt me? And gosh, you know, I told you already, I am not good at interruption. It's a hard posture to take. It's a hard posture to go, okay, Jesus, I... I'm going to be open. I'm going to surrender a little bit more for you to interrupt me. And maybe for for some of you in this room, it's that first interruption. It's that first interruption where Jesus says, follow me. And you realize, gosh, I've been living one way my whole life where it's what I want to do, my will, my things, all this. And Jesus says, follow me. And he gives that interruption. And you today, maybe you're thinking for the first time, instead of being a fan or an admirer of Jesus, you're like, I want to go in and I want to follow him. I want my life, the trajectory of my life to shift where I am pointed towards you, Jesus. I am aligned with you where I am following you. I'm learning from you and you are transforming my life. Gosh, that's that first interruption that that maybe today you need to do. And for some of you, you're like, yeah, I remember that moment. I remember when God interrupted my life. And I want you to sit with this question. Do I allow Jesus to interrupt me with the second part to going, yeah, I had that first moment that's like the Stanley Cup championship. But are you willing to day in, day out, and every season allow Jesus to interrupt your life? Because he wants you to participate in what he's doing. He's showing you these things. He's in relationship with you so that then you can pour that out to others. So you can be good news to others so that they can move towards Christ. And it's allowing maybe in the middle of your workday, someone comes into your office, comes into your house, knocks on your door, and you take a pause, and you go, okay, Jesus, I'm going to allow this moment to interrupt this moment, because I get to walk alongside them and see what you're doing, Jesus. And so it's not easy, and there's days when we're like, not today, Jesus, but I pray that as we connect more and more, and we follow Jesus more and more, our hearts would be softened, and our hearts would be aware at the work that he's doing in this world, the lives that he's transforming, the people that he's bringing into our lives, that we would be preoccupied with him so much that we see others in new ways that we want to step in and participate as well. So I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to worship, and I, gosh, I want you to sit with that. I'm sitting with it as well, as I say it, as I've been preparing for this. So let me pray for us. Jesus, I thank you so much that you just don't send us out, but that you desire relationship with us. And through relationship, you show us your deep heart for redeeming this world, for restoring and bringing freedom to people, even to us, Lord. And I just pray this morning that um, 
we can begin to be preoccupied with what you're doing in our lives, what you're doing in this world, what you're doing in other people's lives, that because we're focused on you, gosh, we are, are opening and surrendering more and more to be interrupted by you, by people that you bring into our paths, Lord. So may you begin to guide us and lead us in that way. May we be interrupted by you. In Jesus' name, amen.